0: You said over 24, right?
1: Yeah, that's 6, 12, 18 is a good neighborhood to, like, you know, hang out in. I'm assuming that, like, 18 are your soft bits and, like, you know, 6 is when you're yeah. really, like, you're laughing and then 12 is about where you yeah. are living. Yeah. So that's good.
0: It's weird. I sometimes find it like a game. Like, you know those games where you're, like, hitting the mallet and the, like, strength games that I have never played in real life because I have no upper body strength, but I play it in Stardew Valley because I love playing that timing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm doing that, but with my voice.
1: You know those strength-based games are based a lot less on how strong you are and a lot more on how accurately you can hit the exact middle of the pillar?
0: Yeah, I'm also, like, terrible at accuracy.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, your lack of upper body strength is not necessarily a hindrance to you in this regard. Thank you. Your lack of death perception, that's a whole other that's story. That's a
0: whole other story, but that's why I got glasses. <laughs> to assist in that. And you know what? It has not helped because I'm also clumsy. So there we go. Sometimes there are things you just can't fix.
1: (laughs) That's okay. As long as your levels are good.
0: My levels are good. Water. Earth. Fire. Air.
1: Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then... Hello and welcome to The Pie Show with your hosts, I'm Colton. And I'm Kelly. And this week we are talking about Book 2, Chapter 2, The Cave of Two Lovers. That was like, I got, I had energy in that.
0: Yeah, You nailed it.
1: I spent all my energy for the episode. On that intro, I'm done <laughs> now. In this episode, on their way to Omashu, the kids become lost in the treacherous Cave of Two Lovers.
0: Why do I feel like this is like the quickest summary?
1: (laughs) Because it's a sentence. It's one sentence.
0: Well, most of the summaries are about a sentence. Okay. But this is just right to the point. They just get lost.
1: (laughs) It's like a single, it's a single clause. That's the thing. Mm. It's, there's nothing to it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like plot wise, not a lot happens.
0: That's, uh, I mean. Like we're
1: straight side questing this episode.
0: Are we side questing though? Because we're actually trying to get from one point to the other, that is the direct journey that they need.
1: Okay, so it's they're going not a side to Oma- quest.
0: they're going to Omashu. They just happen to find a like more direct. This is supposedly a more direct path.
1: All right, so it's not a side quest, but like where it's a travel episode. It's it's a shortcut.
0: I would say I would say if if it was a side quest, they wouldn't have been shot out of the air first like they are literally locked into this direction. This is not a side quest. This was the only way for them to go. Fair. And even the Fire Nation blocks them into the tunnel and is like, "Haha, no way out of this one."
1: It has side quest energy though, like the adventure does.
0: I think a lot of the the characters that they're with bring that energy for them.
1: Maybe that's maybe that's what's doing it. And they it have for kind me.
0: of a mystery that they have to solve to get out of the tunnels.
1: It's a fun episode yeah it's fun i i like this episode i was i smiled ear to ear when i realized this was what we had to talk about this week
0: <laughs> i this episode is like kind of a sleeper episode for me because i totally forgot how funny this episode is in some aspects like there's this great moment where sock is like i hate to be the wet blanket but since guitar is busy i guess i have to and i'm i'm like that was cold like there's just like one look up from katara there like unbothered. like and there wasn't even room for people to for a laugh usually there's room for a laugh but it's just i mean in some banger memes like delectable tea or gently poison
1: and one of the meme memes of this show so i think part of why i have a really strong affinity for this episode is is when I did my original watch of Avatar uh, almost, wow, almost a year ago. Um, Yikes. Right? <laughs> Don't say that. I finished the show right as there was a sound on TikTok that was getting really popular, and it was this secret tunnel sound.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so that cemented in my mind this ep- like this episode, is so much the show for me. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wait. So
1: because of TikTok.
0: Wait. So would that mean in your Colton's? Definitive- oh, this is
1: definitely in my list.
0: <gasps> wow.
1: Like way back when you first mentioned your rewatch list, and I was like, I wonder what would be on mine. Secret—I was thinking, secret tunnel.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting pick. But I mean, like I said, I have I have some of those episodes that are just straight up sentimental, and for for you, it's this one.
1: It's just a fun episode. I, I think if I were introducing someone to the show, I might use this as like a watch this episode in a vacuum. And if you like it, we'll go back and we'll watch the whole show.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I would not do that with this episode. I feel like you need a bit more context for this episode than say, like, I don't know, um I'm trying to think maybe Blue Spirit.
1: I think Blue Spirit requires the background of the first half of season one in a way that this episode benefits a lot from knowing the characters and knowing the journey that they're on. But at the same time, if you know none of that, I think the the archetypes that the characters all fulfill are familiar enough that this episode, in a lesser way, can stand on its own.
0: Okay. I've never looked at it in that light before.
1: Maybe you have to go rewatch this episode Maybe again. Maybe <laughs> I
0: have to go rewatch this episode again. Wow, that's a first for, for me saying that this early. <laughs> Usually it's you. <laughs>
1: Told you we had a weird energy this week.
0: going to roll reverse the list of this, guys. Hey, hey, river people. We're not river people.
2: You're not? Well, then what kind of people are you? Just people. Aren't we all, brother? Whew, we have new characters this week.
0: We do have new characters this week. We have a lot of... New characters. A lot, yeah.
1: <laughs> we a have the lot. the Nomad Hippie Band.
0: Yeah, Chong, Lily, and Moku. And then we have uh, the people who take in Zuko and Iroh for dinner, Song. And they've just got her listed as mom. I mean, she's motherly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you... Uh, I, I, so there's a voice actor... In this that might be familiar or might not be. Did you recognize Moku?
1: Uh, so I did not recognize Moku's voice. However, in preparing for the show, I was like, I wonder if there are any voice actors in this episode. <laughs> and I learned that Moku is Zuko's brother.
0: Yeah. Derek Basco.
1: Yeah. That was cool. I didn't even know that Dante <laughs> Basco had brothers.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think
1: three. He's got like three brothers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think what's also really cool is that this will not be the last time that we hear him. Do you know the other episode that we hear hear his voice?
1: As Moku or as someone else?
0: As someone else. What episode? Ember Island Players. Oh. Do you, oh, do you know who he plays?
1: I have a guess.
0: What's your guess?
1: But I'm going to cut it from the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk about who is this dude who works for the Fire Nation with the eye patch and... The facial hair and, like, in charge of the mech tanks and everything like that. Who is this man? He was just far too interesting of a design for what he was used for. Like, man, if that's what General Fong looked like, I would remember <laughs> him more. Like, that's was, what I uh, want. was a
1: character animator's joke.
0: I absolutely love it.
1: And you don't know, maybe the person who, who drew that character ended up getting, you know, because they went so hard on that one guy they like (laughs) got to design another character (laughs) that we do remember that is awesome
0: it's like what if he has an eye patch and he just pops up out of the mech Is like ha! now they're trapped yeah i i just i needed to bring attention to that because i felt sometimes in this episode that it was very much like who is he who is she what are they doing there's just like a lot of new people thrown in here
1: Well, I think we're in a more populated part of the world and it's, you know, it's that's that's my in-universe explanation, my out-of-universe explanation is season one did really well and now there's more budget.
0: Yeah, I think it's also kind of trying to disorient you as you're going the opposite way because you would think if they've come one way that they'd kind of run into similar people, similar looks and everything like that. It's really trying to throw you off and disorient you and go, all right, refresh, restart, New people, new cities, new everything. Because even when we get to the end of this episode, going to a city that we are familiar with, it is very not familiar anymore.
1: Yeah, and I think you have to do that because in the you know last episode and this episode, we basically backtracked everywhere we went in Season 1. Yes. Because we were in Omashu in, what, Episode 4? And we're back already?
0: Although it's funny because I kind of forgot that the secret tunnels were about Omashu until I remembered like, oh, the two lovers, Oma and Shu. Oh, yeah, Omashu. It kind of had to click for me. But I think the end of the episode being so jarring of like the Fire Nation takeover look was so jarring to me that in my memory, I couldn't remember that secret tunnel episode is also them traveling to the city they've already been to before. It feels like they're traveling to a new city. So I have a
1: question about Chong. Yes. His name is Chong. It's Chong. He's very 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 forgetful. He's a very specific cliche. Is he just a straight avatar rip-off interpretation of Tommy Chong?
0: (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs)
1: Because I I watched this episode (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, number one, Tommy Chong. Number two, Leo from that 70s show. <laughs> like, that's the character.
0: <laughs> Aren't those the same people?
1: Yeah, they are. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> oh, wait, we're coming up with ideas? Because I've had an idea for the last hour.
0: <laughs> I did not see that. Um, but he's very hippie, crunchy granola, I would say.
1: Yep, and also completely burned out.
0: He's more enraptured with the music than um, anything else. I think my favorite part is when they ask the group at the end, oh, are you go- you coming to Amashu with us? And they just go, no. They went through the tunnel for no reason.
1: No, they went through the tunnel to go through the tunnel. It was about the journey. It was
0: about the journey. It was about the journey. And... <laughs> Something else about these nomads I found really interesting were their costumes because everywhere we've been so far there's kind of been like a color palette for the town, the village, the people. So we go up to the North Pole and it's all these blues and whites. We go to the Earth Kingdom, we get a lot of the greens and yellows. Um I think we got, you know, Boomi's one purple thing, like his purple outfit really stood out at the time. And even with the Fire Nation, we've got blacks and reds and grays. Uh, It's been kind of codified. But you have these nomads and they have like all these kooky colors mixed together and flowers and hats and just uh, almost kind of clashing styles of shirts and bottoms and everything. And it just it was an element that I don't think I noticed the first time. It just shows how jarringly out of place they are in a world that has these very, like, structured nations that are all at war. That is just fun. And you can decorate yourself, adorn yourself with flowers and, you know, have purples and reds and greens and yellows.
1: Yeah, I think from a a functional standpoint, you know we know as viewers that like the, the out of universe explanation is everyone wears the same colors. That way we all know when we're looking at people like, you know, who are you with? What side are you on, Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. What's this, what's this relationship and interaction going to be like? But I think it's kind of meta that with, that with this group, it's like, well, they don't belong to any particular nation. They're not affiliated. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're just children of the world, man.
0: Yeah. I think, Especially I don't I don't know if I necessarily see it as meta as like, here's a good guy, here's a bad guy type of thing. But I see it more as establishing and world building of like the culture. And here's what dyes might be available in that side. And here's, you know, you're going to have a lot more white fur at the North Pole, um, you know, and building more of the culture because they've done the same with hairstyles with the North and Southern Water Tribes. Uh, and we've seen a little bit with the Earth Nation, not as much. And the Fire Nation, their top knots, and their uniforms. So, and even even thinking about the uniforms, Sokka mentioning the design of uniforms changing over time. So to see how clothes can identify you in the world, and then have these characters come in wearing completely unidentifiable clothing styles it throws the whole world kind of off kilter
2: yeah
1: the only time i can think of that we've seen like a whole group of people with not you know their nations like bog standard wardrobe was in the great divide
0: well they but each side had had
1: their own look had their
0: own look but they were still similar earth tone hues they were yellows and greens
1: still it's not um
0: Earth Kingdom green. I think the yeah, but the the thing is that it's still the, the earth neutral tones, and I think the other th- the other place where we've seen varying styles is um what is it the Northern Air Temple where they're all listening to the story, and that's where we see some people in Water Tribe get up, some people in Earth tri- in um Earth Nation clothes, and you see a a, a mixture of uh, styles and looks. And maybe Jet. Jet yeah, is Jet is the other thing where you see the the whole gang dressing dressing kind of differently. I'm really paying attention to the costumes this round.
1: Well, it makes sense because like all of these, you know, all these instances, except for um, Northern Air Temple, where that's just representing like that we have different groups coexisting in the same place. All these other groups do stand apart from the larger society that they ought to be affiliated with.
0: I think what also is interesting about Avatar The Last Airbender as a whole is that I remember watching the show and going, wow, these animated characters have so many different outfits. Because usually when you watch a cartoon, they wear the same thing every single day, every single day, every other day. But they adapt for the climate. They adapt for the activity. And I just found that really unique in treating it as a full, complete story and not just as an animated show for kids. Yeah, it
1: makes the world bigger.
0: Yeah, it treats the audience as smart. But we have the new character Song and her outfit and her dress, her style of dress, and her mother's style of dress are drastically different than anyone we've seen before they're very upper class in a way and more well off and it's stiffer and less functional and i feel like we've seen a lot more functionality the closest i could say that we've seen to like non-functional is yue's outfits and even then she could like take off that coat and like we see her without the coat and in a different outfit when she's hanging with Aang at the spiritual pool but I'm, I'm all about the fashion.
1: I think the least functional UA outfit is her spirit outfit. But does functionality matter when you're a spirit? No,
0: no it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Although we may revisit that in season three. <laughs> Zuko hair alert. Zuko has hair.
1: <laughs> all over his head.
0: I know. Yeah, and he kept it pretty even.
1: Yeah, I did. He like cut that one bit.
0: Yeah, more. He had to have trimmed that down a little.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So Iro's hair
1: doesn't seem to have changed very much.
0: Yeah, I think Iro uh, is not as interested in the maintenance of the hair.
1: Mm. Whereas, I really like his long hair look.
0: I like his long hair look too. Um, this is a very interesting look for Zuko, and I feel like it makes him look more vulnerable because I feel like sometimes with his so his ponytail is very severe. But it almost was like he could put his guard up and feel more strong in a way. But now there's nothing, when you have very short hair like that, there's nothing to hide. You can't hide. And especially he has this giant scar on his face that we're gonna see it a lot. Not that we didn't see it a lot before, but that is gonna change. It's...
1: Well, it's interesting that you say that, you know, he can't hide because I feel like he spends a lot of this episode trying to.
0: Yeah, I think he, I absolutely love to like two minutes into being a fugitive and he has this huge tantrum of like, of like, I wasn't meant to be a fugitive. This is impossible. I can't do this. And kind of accepting that he has to hide.
1: Yeah. And then... Later on, every time that Song tries to push him to talk about his past or or his history, I don't know if you noticed, he turns away from her, like physically turns away from her.
0: She tries to make an emotional connection. And I really love that she kept pushing and kept trying and then was like, oh, I think I know the one thing that might be holding him back. Is it the fact that he has a large scar on his face? Let me show him my leg that was also scarred by Fire Nation soldiers.
1: Oh, that scene That scene hit me.
0: Oh, my God. I was like, I apologize to Song for ever forgetting that she existed because underrated. She really just trying to make this poor lonely boy feel a little bit safer in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel like this is really, this episode is Zuko having his eyes opened to almost the, the world through song telling him that it's okay to accept the fact that the Fire Nation hurt him and not just the fire, but like that his father hurt him because in his eyes, his father is the Fire Nation. They're, they're one and the same. They're inextricably linked. Anything the Fire Nation does, it does because of Ozai. Anything that Ozai does, he does as the Fire Nation. To Zuko, they're a single entity, and hearing Song talk about the damage that the Fire Nation caused her is hearing about the damage that his father caused her, and seeing his own pain in someone else, and seeing it in someone else as pain, and having that person accept that, you know, they have been hurt. I genuinely think that he never considered the fact that, number one, that he was hurt, and number two, that it was okay for him to say that he's hurt and to be hurt.
0: Yeah, because I don't think he's ever accepted that... The outcome of the Agni Kai was, you know, not justified um, because he was exiled. Everything else besides Iroh has told him that what his father did was right. And so he's like, "Okay, yeah, I went up against the Fire Nation. I got burned. That was, you know, I I deserved this burn and here he meets this person who has helped him and his uncle for no money no reason and did she deserve to be burned i i don't think he believes that but i think he's still struggling with the ideals that his father has instilled in him and we see that in him stealing the ostrich horse because it's kind of ozai and azula in the back of his head saying these people are weak. These people are weak. They let me in. I will take the I will take their transportation. And he's still kind, kind of trying to hold on to that in some way. But I think that's kind of unraveling, especially with Iroh there.
1: I think he's starting to grow away from it. And I think I think we'll be able to trace that growth maybe through his hairstyle
2: Even if you're lost, you can't lose the love because it's in your heart.
0: Why do you think Iroh keeps taking all these chances on these plants? Like, they have nothing. They are alone in the wilderness. And Iroh just keeps taking chances on plants here.
1: When you have nothing, when you have no hope and no chances, why not try and have the best cup of tea you have ever had in your entire life? Be-
0: because- kill you and there are various you have other nothing. things you you're could probably going to die anyway seem, why
1: not just go for it
0: it doesn't seem as much like iro was really looking it seems more like zuko went to look iro found this one thing and then sat and thought about it for like 90 minutes and zuko went out to go try and find things for 90 minutes zuko got the teeny tiny little fish and Ira was like but i could have tea or die for 90 minutes what?
1: changing cup of tea
0: in either way colton it would be a life-changing cup of tea yeah because it would be good or it would kill you yeah that is a life change
1: life state change but
0: yeah yeah Yeah. sure (laughs) are you gonna are you seriously gonna spirit world me on this
1: (laughs) (laughs) we can't call it spirit worlding
0: (laughs) i think i totes can and you can fight me on that
1: (laughs) uh that implies that I was wrong, and clearly I was not.
0: I don't think it implies that you were wrong. I think it means that we're. Your both usage
1: having- of it here implies that it was ro- that I was wrong, <laughs> and I refuse to accept that.
0: I think it means it's a semantics argument that the two of us have. It means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. T. Animal alert! All right, this week. We got some uh, choice super cute moments from Appa and Momo that I just want to appreciate. Appa in braids with flowers.
1: The whole team trying to appease Appa. Oh. We have to go with what makes him most comfortable because he's literally carrying the team.
0: Exactly. And then, like, I feel like we got a lot of personality from Appa this episode when Appa freaks out inside the tunnels and just, like, what is that? And loses it and just, like, pure, like, oh, that tugged at my heartstrings. i <laughs> like, no, no, no. It's like when a cat gets something stuck on their paw and they freak out and they run around the room. That's what I saw.
1: I think the most relatable thing for me from Appa for this entire episode, and I know... I know we try not to talk too much about, like, you know, things going on in the world, and we try to make these episodes, like, pretty timeless, but when he gets out of the cave and he goes outside and he just lies down under the sun and <laughs> flops, and it's just like, ah, outside, <laughs> such a fl- food.
0: <laughs> I love that, like, just the pure, like, joy of just, like, I can breathe. Beautiful personality moments from Appa. Um, Some great personality moments from Momo. I totally forgot that Momo is still with Sokka when he's trapped with the nomads.
1: I'm starting to get sold on your whole Momo is Sokka's pet.
0: I mean, Momo and Sokka chilling on that giant leaf, like Mm -hmm. in the water, just kind of like watching. And then uh, Sokka's constantly carrying Momo through the caves.
1: Mm-hmm. How much did you love that moment at the end when Momo runs up to <gasps> Appa and is like, hey, man, I'm going to tell you all about the crazy stuff that happened.
0: We were apart for a little bit, and I got to explain the weird stuff that happened. Just the <laughs> like amazing. And I love that they can communicate that way. Mm-hmm. But it makes me sad because we're now building an even stronger bond between Momo and Appa for... For episodes, for episodes from now to tear our heartstrings out of our heart and throw it on the ground and stomp on it. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's beautiful, and we're now seeing kind of the intricacies of the team in different ways, and that even Appa and Momo have their different relationships and balance out the personalities of the team. I think Sokka and uh, Momo are very good balancing out of personalities for each other, especially when Sokka's feeling like really down in the tunnel. Momo is actually on his shoulder dancing along and looking at him like, why aren't you dancing along? This is pretty fun.
1: Come on, man.
0: (laughs) Come on, man. Cheer up. Like, you can do this.
1: Don't let the cave in get you
0: down. (laughs) Sokka. (laughs) We got some new animals. Well, actually, before we get to the new animals, we also have the ostrich horse. Of which we you have the
1: ostrich horse.
0: Stealing is bad, Zuko. Stealing is bad. Don't Especially do it.
1: Especially when they, when they showed you, a, like, oh,
0: the, the hospitality. Super nice. They patched up your uncle. They had you over for dinner. I kind of wanted, like, a Harry Potter, like, Draco Malfoy, hippogriff thing to happen. <laughs> <laughs> of, like, he goes to steal the ostrich and it just, like, pecks at him. was like, no.
1: <laughs> no, that ostrich was chilly. It was just like, what? We're going? Okay. Oh,
0: okay. Cool. Middle no of the loyalty, night. Middle of the night. Yeah, no loyalty with Ashitoses. I think that's why they're lower on my list. Besides my like, you know, problem with large birds. So, new animals this week: the wolf bat. Colton, I genuinely, when I saw this thing come out, I thought I saw the tail, I saw the teeth, I saw the wings, and I said, "It's a cat bat."
1: Cats are not wolves.
0: I know. It was great that they said wolf bat right after my brain said cat bat because I needed that extra little push. The tail looks very cat-like to me.
1: See, I just think of them as terrifying.
0: They are very scary. They're large. Yeah. They're very large. Comfortably
1: large and screechy and just... I, it's one of those things where it's not particularly scary in animation, but the second you try to think about it in the real world, it becomes instantly terrifying.
0: Yeah, those were people size. Those were straight up like flying monkeys in Wizard of oz You
1: Gotta watch out, they can get you.
0: They can get you. And then, introduction of the badger moles. I like
1: the badger moles. The
0: first earthbenders, the badger moles. And we're starting to teach that lore that the badger moles have taught people to earthbend. That's how Oma and Shu learned how to earthbend and meet each other. So Also the Badger Malls have a strong appreciation for music.
1: Well, you know, they live underground. Their eyesight probably isn't that great. They probably actually have their really eyesight strong... isn't good.
0: They they can't see.
1: Yeah. Well they probably have a strong sense of smell and mm-hmm. a strong sense of hearing, and it makes sense they like the music.
0: I think still very bold as much as they like music. Like, they were comfortable with Sokka just, like, climbing on and riding a badger mole. I think that might be one of the bravest things Sokka has done. Those things almost mauled him. Yeah. And in the end, he's like, I'm riding one of these babies to to the light, man. That's what I'm doing. Incredible. Also, I really love the way that the animation looks for how the badger moles earthbend. Did you notice, like, the difference to it?
1: I was busy paying attention to the sound effects because they use all of the same sound effects for badger mole earthbending as they do for human earthbending. Ooh. And I noticed that this watch and it tickled my fancy and I love it.
0: The visual is a little different. There's some more swirling elements to it rather than straight up and down. It's Mm. less rigid and more fluid.
1: Makes you wonder, is that how earthbending originally looked?
0: Well, it makes makes me wonder... uh how the teaching of earthbending translates down because we will need... Aang is going to learn earthbending. That's why he's traveling to Omashu to learn earthbending from Bumi. I think Bumi has some very similar elements in the way that he earthbends where it's uh, where it's more organic uh, and and less uh, rigid. But when we've seen other earthbenders, like we've seen... Um, I'm putting a finger to my face. Ong. For a mustache. No, not... Well, yes, Fong, but um, what's his name? The Mustache Boy Lee—is that his name?
1: Oh wait, Who's uh, Katara? the Earthbender in oh with Katara. I yeah. was thinking of the Earthbender in the Great Divide.
0: I mean that too. His is also very rigid. Even the whole shoots of Omashu.
1: Yeah, which makes you wonder. Do you think? Do you think mm. that Boomy has explored the tunnel?
0: Oh my god, yes. <laughs>
1: do you think he's friends with the Badger Moles?
0: Oh my god, yes.
1: Well, there's your explanation for why his earth bending is a bit more organic.
0: Mm, yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's what I'm trying to say is like you know there. I think it's cool how there can be different translations of mm. bending. I think I've talked about this before of like teaching styles and how we saw the difference in the North Pole of like they have traditions of what you are taught versus you know by gender. Um, you even have the difference of. Zuko and Azula's teachings you have the difference of Zhao and Zuko's teachings
1: what we've seen the difference between how Zhang Zhang teaches firebending and how Iroh teaches firebending
0: yep and we're seeing the difference between how Paku taught waterbending and how Katara taught waterbending because Katara is now a master so I like the I like the putting the badger moles in this early in book two
1: I just like them i think they're a cool design
0: (laughs) yeah they're i gotta say they they win my cute animal alert me too yeah they win this week the badger moles
1: although appa's a close second
0: oh oh appa oh
2: don't let the caving get you down don't let the falling rocks turn your smile into a frown when the tunnels are as darkest, as that's when you need a clown. Hey! Don't let the cave in get you down, Sokka.
0: Remembering my feelings about this episode, I remember thinking Sokka's just like really grumpy for no reason in this episode. He is just, like he says, he's a wet blanket. And that is what I remembered about this. is like, oh, fun song. Sokka's grumpy about whatever and cute Katang moment. And then going into the rewatch, because I said this at the end of season one, that I really wanted to watch Sokka's journey after losing Yue and to see how grief impacts him and to see how he grows and changes from that. Because I've been on a bit of a Sokka journey for this podcast, and I'm going to stick to it. It's my brand. (laughs) So watching it through those eyes of the context of, okay, very recently, his first love just died. She sacrificed herself for the cause. And now he comes across a group of travelers that say that doesn't mean much they are very much all about the journey and not the destination but for Saka, the destination has to mean something because if the destination doesn't mean anything what was the purpose of losing Yue why did she have to go why did this have to happen to him so it's frustrating to hear someone be like oh just go with the flow when he's like the flow took away the person I loved And he cannot accept that the journey is the true reward because so far the journey has done nothing but chew him up and spit him out. Like, I mean, we've seen with uh, Aunt Wu where he gets attacked by the turkey ducks, like everything he does, he, he, he struggles through it. But he keeps moving forward because there is this grand plan and this grand destination of stopping this war and stopping the Fire Lord. And I just, that's my first part that I noticed about Sokka is his direct conflict with the, uh, his direct conflict with the spirituality that the nomads bring with their music and their traveling.
1: Well, he's the, you know, like, like you pointed out, he's the guy who makes the plans. He's the guy who thinks things through. And every time he makes a plan, every time he thinks things through, You can tell in the way that he presents it that he is starting at what the ideal ends, like what is the goal? What is the end state? What is the win condition? And then he works backwards. How do we get there? What do we need to do to get there? Okay, what do we need to do to get that? Okay, what do we need to do to get that? And like, that's how his brain works. It's all the destination.
0: It's all the destination. Exactly. And then there's this other aspect of it with his grief where they're about to go into the tunnels and... I think it's Lily. Is that her name? The uh, female one. She said, female traveler. She says, all you need to do is trust. All you need to do is trust and love, according to the curse. And there's this moment where Sokka, right before he's mad, his face just drops because he did trust and love and it went away and it failed him. And so what is the point? Again, here he is struggling with what is the point of all this crap that you guys are selling because it doesn't work in the real world. And so he has to apply logic. He has to, you know, he's like, all right, I'm going to make a map. We're going to X out every place that it doesn't work. And we're going to keep moving because that is all I can do. All I can do is try and make the plan work. And it, <laughs> he then it is pushed to a breaking point in where he is separated from Aang and Katara and Appa. And he loses the people he loves again. And he doesn't know if he's going to get them back, but he is like pretty darn sure he's going to do everything in his capabilities to see them again. And I think this is where Sokka starts to trust a little more in the journey because he focuses on getting themselves out of the labyrinth. And if he can get out, he can kind of trust that Aang and Katara will find their way out as well. Because I think if he did not trust in that, he would have tried to find a way to get to them rather than get out of the tunnels.
1: Mm, That's a good point. I never thought of it like that. Because he does start by trying to dig his way to them.
0: Yeah, and it's almost manic-desperate. And I think the first few times I watched it, I saw it more as, oh, I'm stuck with these people. Unless, you know, my friends are gone. Like my sister is gone. The only other people I have in this world are gone because he could have believed that they didn't succeed on the other side. It's not like they yelled through and could hear each other. He had to trust that they were alive and that they would make it out. And I think part of the thing that gets him over the finish line, in a way, there is as much as it is annoying to be the only one seemingly trying to solve the problem while others are like just kind of goofing off. They're singing this song and one of the lyrics that stuck out to me was, even if you're lost, you can't lose the love because it's in your heart. And I don't know, it just felt like one of those moments where, you know where a song finds you when you're alone? Like a Sarah McLaughlin commercial.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I think... (laughs) So that song found him when he was alone and he, it it reaches him at some point because when he's cornered by the badger moles and he strums the like he strums the guitar by accident he's like all right i'm going to trust the journey i'm going to do the journey thing this isn't so much a plan this is absolutely improvised but i'm going to trust the journey and he starts playing it and trying to sing and then gets the others to join in with him and it gets him out of the darkness and into the light and there's this beautiful moment at the end where uh where what's his name where chong hugs Sokka and says Sokka, i hope you learned a little something about not letting the plans get in the way of the journey and it's kind of like you know you can grow from this kid like here's your breakthrough he literally broke through a wall a wall in the darkness okay like hit the nail on the head there and there is this really to be fair.
1: The wall went right back up as soon as he broke through
0: it. <laughs> as soon as he broke through it. Right. But there's this, there's this little moment you can catch where when they kind of zoom out after the hug and he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he, he brushes it off. But as soon as the, it's the camera's not focused on him and it moves on to Katara, like blushing, you see Sokka smile a little in the background and just kind of like, huh, that was okay. That was not, Like, there's this little kind of knowing smile on him. And it almost feels like, you know, this is going to be okay.
2: Even if you're lost, you can't lose the love because it's in your heart.
0: And want to talk about music in this episode?
1: Oh, there's so much music in this episode. So
0: much music.
1: Like I don't. Okay, I feel like we can talk about music, and we don't even need to talk about the songs that the, that the nomads sing. No. Like there's just. I mean, we just, will
0: talk about a little I mean, bit, yeah, them. naturally, yeah. But
1: so when they're about to go into the cave, mm-hmm. and Chong is explaining to Aang that they just need to trust in love, and Aang looks back at Katara. Oh. And Avatar's love plays for like three notes. Just
2: three, yeah. here's three notes of three Avatar's notes. love. That's all you get. Yeah. Just
1: enough to like outline oh. that this is what we're doing, and you're gonna catch it, and you're gonna be all all fawning over, and that's it.
0: You're gonna be primed for a Katang moment. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's all you get. And that's all you get. And then we're going. We're cutting right to the Fire Nation.
0: <laughs> dun,
1: dun, dun. <laughs> was it just me, or was the Fire Nation theme bigger?
0: It felt a little bigger.
1: I feel like that was the Azula variant.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, Even though
1: we don't see Azula.
0: I think maybe we'll get more Azula variants now that Azula's kind of running it. Yeah. That she's kind of running things. Yeah. So that's a good point, and I'm going to keep an ear out for that.
1: And then, right after that, Sokka's making his map, and we get his drums. Yes.
0: It took me a minute to notice
1: his drums though cuz it was different like they didn't do the the melody underneath the drums it was just the drums. Mhm. Because he's not fully forming a plan. He is desperately grasping at the only thing he can.
0: Yes. His his plans are kind of thrown out the window. He's strapped in here. He has to figure it out.
1: Yeah. There's no heart in it.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that's a great way of describing it.
1: And musically, that's represented by, like, just the hollow drums and no melody. Oh, man. Now I made myself sad talking about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very back against the wall, especially, I mean, they had that amazing cutscene of, like, you know, stupid tunnel. We're just going to fly. And then. Yeah, because they got shot out of the sky and then he's like all right fine tunnel it is <laughs> like, he has no choice he, he he had a plan he had lots of plans and all of them are apparently wrong so let's do the stupid thing that the singing people want to do and that Aang kind of want to does kind of want to do yeah what
1: kind of a little bit yeah did you notice that like every song that Chong plays he strums the same like three patterns
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> on his it's not a guitar I don't know what it is but it's not a guitar yeah
0: do we know what it is?
1: it is a real instrument
0: he plays a dramion am I saying that right? dramion?
1: I don't know how it's pronounced but that looks like how it's spelled and it is it, like it's an actual instrument um, it's a Himalayan lute
0: wow that's cool
1: I have heard one before in real life, and it sounds pretty much just like it does in the show. I don't know if they uh, got an actual player or if they you know, used the sample, but it is an accurate representation. And since we're talking about Chong, I have looked him up since I last asked the question earlier in the episode. Uh, his name is a reference to Tommy Chong.
0: <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Oh, it is. Yeah.
1: I feel vindicated
0: yeah no you're Colton you are absolutely right on that one that was that was a great catch
1: I know my Cheech and Chong
0: yeah you do not shocked that I don't but <laughs> <laughs> but no super cool
1: I'm hip man
0: <laughs> I'm not man <laughs> I'm not hip and you're not. and or happening
1: I it- <laughs> The people who are familiar with Cheech and Chong are laughing at you really hard right now <laughs> because the reference just went completely over your head.
0: Yeah. Colton, I caught something musically in this episode and what wrote it down catch? right away. So when there is the little title sequence for book two, chapter two, mm-hmm. there is a little snippet of Leaves from the Vine. One of the most recognizable avatar songs
1: one of yeah the most painful avatar songs. oh
0: yeah no like super painful yeah but But i still
1: use it in every episode we make because i'm evil
0: (laughs) is this one of the first times we hear it in the show
1: uh it is i think this might be we haven't heard it yet
0: i don't think we've heard it yet because i feel like we would have talked about it
1: yeah this is so this is the first time Ooh. This is the first time we hear it and we, we don't hear the um the arrangement that most people are familiar with that yeah. brings the pain that I use in the show. We hear like a bouncier. It's fun got something version.
0: bouncier underneath, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and it has that harp in it, um that
0: mm-hmm.
1: we also use in our music for the show <laughs> or the cute animal alert and uh for our outro that is from an episode later in this season, Tales from Bossing Zag.
0: Yeah. It's a really interesting combo and I we didn't hear that uh, little piece over the chapter 1 and I'll be curious if it is because I think book 1 all those intro music was for the most part the same. Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, it's just I if it's not the same for every episode there's only a like one, one or two episodes yeah. where it's different. Yeah.
0: So I'm curious to see what this means for season two. And I'm going to have to have my ears like more alert earlier on, like just like ready to go, like put your listening ears on.
1: Well, especially because leaves from the vine is such an important song in the show that I think, I think tracking its placement, particularly in book two is going to be a il- really interesting thing for us to do.
0: I think, all right, hear me out. I think like top three, Three songs from Avatar might be Leaves from the Vine. Um, I know we talked a lot about Four Seasons, but I'm not kind of ranking here. Like, I'm talking just like musical themes. It's Leaves from the Vine, Avatar's Love, and I'm going to go Fire Nation theme.
1: Interesting. Like, this is your top three in no particular order kind of I thing? I think
0: most recognizable for me. Mm, mm.
1: Uh, For me, Leaves from the Vine.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and kind of, like, impactful, because, I mean, everybody yeah. knows Secret Tunnel, Secret yeah, Tunnel. Yeah. Like, we yeah. all know that.
1: Uh, Leaves in the Vine, the sungi horn.
0: Ooh, for, for the blue spirit notes? Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah, okay. that, that motif. Yep. And then, probably, not Azula's theme, but just mm-hmm. that little, that, that ding that plays whenever Ooh, she does yes. something, like, particularly When she, sinister. like, raises
0: an eyebrow.
1: Yeah, when when she's thinking.
0: Oh yeah. Where something clicks for her.
1: Yeah. Or when someone does something that like plays into her hand.
0: When she takes a pause and says, Zuzu
1: <laughs> Do you want me to put the ding in when you do that? Is that why you did that right there? Because you like when I put the ding in when you do Azula things?
0: You did it once, but I would never expect you to do it again.
1: (laughs) But you would also love it if I did it more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, not if you do it more. Just choose your moments.
1: (laughs) Like she chooses hers.
0: Ooh. But I think those are, you know... So to hear Leaves from the Vine, this kind of early in season two? Yeah. Why do you think it's on this episode? I I want you to posit your theory of why it's on this episode. Go. Um... And not like something like Avatar's Love. Wouldn't you think Avatar's Love would do a little bit better?
1: I think Avatar's Love would definitely be on the nose um, and would definitely fit with this episode. Mm -hmm. But
0: But why Leaves from the Vine?
1: See, I think in order for Leaves from the Vine to have the emotional impact that it does when they make it hurt later, you need to be familiar with it in different contexts. You need to have a history with that melody and and with that motif in order... Or the weight of the moment when it is really effectively used to hit fully, which means you need to you need to be exposed to it before then, and you need to be exposed to it multiple times to build that to build that relationship with it.
0: Okay, I have a lot simpler of a theory.
1: <laughs> Why is that?
0: Uh, you start to see more of the father son aspect of Iroh and Zuko to the point where he calls him junior, and you get to see them outside of the Fire Nation outside of the kind of the shadow of the Fire Nation. They don't have to be proper. They can just be a boy and his uncle bonding over finding food.
1: Yeah, but that's my point. Like in order, In order for the song to have the weight that it hits with later, you need to introduce it beforehand. So if you're going to introduce it beforehand, this is a good episode to do that.
0: Okay. I think we're saying the same thing, but I think we just tackled it from different angles. Probably. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> because these two people are in it and they're bonding. And you're like, we need to have the music ahead of time to feel the bond." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah. So I wonder, we'll have to look for another episode. I'm trying to think of another episode where it might happen again, and I'm wondering if it's either Zuko alone or when IRO and Zuko go to Bossing say. And they're traveling as refugees to Ba Say, I have
1: a couple ideas of different moments where it might happen, but I think I want to wait until we get there to talk about it.
2: Two lovers forbidden from one another. A war divides their people. And a mountain divides them apart. Build up path to be
0: together Thank you for listening to The Pie Show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find our show notes at thepieshow.fm 22. If you'd like to reach us, you can send us a tweet at show or email us at podcast at gmail.com. Don't let the cave-in get you down, Colton. Secret tunnel!
2: Secret
0: tunnel!
1: mountains secret, 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 secret tunnel yeah. secret tunnel
2: secret tunnel through the mountains secret, secret 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 tunnel